Is your business plan very unclear and you're tirelessly working at a low-paying career? Let's help you get out of the rut and let go of the fear. It's time to excel into the million-dollar stratosphere. Now, here's your host of The Balanced Millionaire, who will take you there, Eileen Mendel. Millionaire. My name is Eileen Mendel, and I'm the host of your show, The Balanced Millionaire. We provide you with entertainment and great information. So stay tuned. We've got a great guest here. Our target market for our show is business owners. If you're one of these, you've got to listen in. Business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives. And our show tonight is featuring a very special guest. Last week, we had the CEO of Victory Strategies, Dave Phillips, with us. Today, we have Yaakov Worksman, and he is a former Navy SEAL and also works with Dave at Victory Strategies. And let me give you his um, a short bio so you know where... He started, and um, then we're going to go right into the interview, and it's going to be over the length of the show. We're going to have him um, talk about how he got into this, uh, how he uh, what he learned as a Navy SEAL, and how he's bringing you very good information and the types of information that he can help you with in terms of teamwork and leadership. So, Yaakov, after completing high school defers acceptance into the United States Naval Academy to enlist in the United States Navy and therefore shorten the time length that it would take to become a U.S. Navy SEAL. Yaakov was assigned to a SEAL team at the age of 20 years old. During this time in service, he was able to simultaneously achieve his bachelor's degree in organizational leadership the 4.0 GPA from the University of Charleston at West Virginia. Yaakov is attending, currently attending Harvard Business School's program for leadership development and is also pursuing a master's degree from the Mason School of Business at the College of William and Mary. It's a good school. And throughout Yaakov's career as a Navy SEAL team leader and lead sniper, he has completed two deployments overseas. He's worked with governments and militaries of 11 foreign countries and has managed teams as large as 54 U.S. Naval, Navy SEALs. Yakov now utilizes his skills, practices, and techniques acquired through his military service and education to directly impact businesses and teams throughout organization throughout the United States. Yaakov is also the Central Florida co-director of the nonprofit organization SEAL, S-E-A-L, Future Foundation, which is dedicated to preparing transitioning Navy SEALs for a civilian life of purpose. Welcome to our show, Yaakov. 
Thank you, Eileen. Happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So, Yaakov, uh, tell me what um, sort of things that you have been doing um, previous to joining Victory Strategies and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so um, it all started uh, as an 18-year-old with the ambitions to join the United States Navy and pursue um, becoming a United States Navy SEAL. And shortly after achieving that goal, like you said in my bio, I was a assigned to SEAL team in Virginia Beach and uh, 20 years old. And then throughout my time in the SEAL teams, um, I rose to the position of team leader. Uh, I was the lead sniper for the SEAL team I was assigned to. I completed two deployments overseas, worked with uh, various foreign agencies, governments, and militaries. And then uh, upon exiting the and transitioning to the civilian sector, um, started working with small businesses, organizations, and athletic teams. And um, currently, you're working with Victory Strategies. Uh, tell me more about, about that. What are you doing with the company? I know it's pretty new. Um, it's a great idea. I, I love it um, that you're bringing the talents of Navy SEALs to businesses. So can you tell me how that works? Yeah, so... It all started last year. Um, I was connected with Dave Phillips, my partner, um, through a former colleague of mine and a mutual friend of Dave and I's. And when we met, we were supposed to only meet for, you know, a 30-minute cup of coffee and ended up being three hours. So uh, <laughs> what ended up happening was, based on, you know, some of the work I was already doing with organizations and teams, um, Dave, Dave and I kind of put our heads together and said, well, I think if we can combine Navy SEAL fundamentals, attributes, characteristics, and high-performing method, methods uh, with C-suite uh, methods from the private sector, then we're delivering an unbeatable package to companies, organizations, and athletic teams. So that's when Victory Strategies was born. Um, we've been in business for close to two years now. Um, we've slowly and surely been getting some pretty significant success and clientele. And, uh, you know, the, the reason we're doing it is it all comes down to um, becoming problem solvers and, and giving back and helping organizations really find the why and the purpose and executing that. Now let's get into sort of the meat of what you guys do. What are some of the personal traits and characteristics that make a good team leader, make up a good team leader? What are you looking for or what are you looking to help businesses um, train, you know, their next uh, team leaders to, to be? You know, what, what, what do we want to see from these leaders? Yeah, so um, in the SEAL teams, and I think a lot of successful organizations and businesses would agree that one of the key fundamentals and characteristics that's required by a high-performing and motivated leader within any kind of work would be humility. Um, that's got to be the most important character trait because without it, there's no room for growth. Um, there's no room for that individual trying to learn and adapt, you know, through experiences as a leader. And, it's pretty much the foundation of all other, all other traits when you think about it. And then I'd say the other process would be 
or the other, um, you know, most important thing for companies and organizations to understand is, you know, finding the people with the right characteristics to be a successful leader starts and begins with their recruitment process. Um, hope that helps answer your question. Well, I have a lot of businesses that I work with that are looking to build great teams. Um, what should they, when they're advertising for uh, people to lead projects, um, you know, obviously they have to come in at a lower level so they can learn the culture of the firm as well as, uh, the, you know, the actual business itself. But what, how would they advertise? How would they, what would be some of the descriptive words that they could use in their online advertising on, uh, in, in uh, interviewing the candidates? What, what are we looking for here? Besides humility, I think humility is a great one. You know, I'd say a few others would be resilience uh, and eagerness to learn and, and never give up. Um, something we say in the SEAL teams is the whole man concept or the whole person and concept, which pretty much means um, they're embodying every, every characteristic that exemplifies a good leader and, you know, in both good situations and bad. Um, and that oftentimes carries from their personal life to their professional life and vice versa. So to go back and, and uh, answer your question, integrity, resilience, and uh, an eagerness to learn. Those are really great uh, characteristics, and I hope our listeners are taking notes on this, because I am. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> So what do you, how do you start out uh, working? Let's say, you know, you've got uh, a group, maybe of a CEO, maybe he's, he or she has brought in a CFO, and then you've got, uh, let's say, a VP of marketing. How do you start working with that group? Let's say, it's a, you know, it's a still a young company, um, privately held. What are certain things that need to be done in the process of getting the team to work, you know, obviously the CEO wants to be the leader. Is that always the best answer that he leads the team or does he delegate the, the team leadership to one of these other, uh, you know, high level, either the VP or the CFO in his organization? Give me, give me an example. How, how would you treat that organization and come in to help them, you know, get the process going. Yeah, so every organization, um, the Victory Strategies team has worked with thus far, we've we really come in and tried to listen to our clients and customers, um, understand their needs, their wants, their their purpose, and where they want to be in, you know, short term and long term. So we first asked the leadership team, you know, what are some of your goals? And what does that entail? Well, that entails what are your micro goals? And what are your macro goals? Where do you want to be in, you know, or this time next week? Where do you want to be in six months? Where do you want to be in a year? And then once we do evaluation, um, a lot of those questions are answered. What we find a lot of the times is that leaders within organizations or companies become too task saturated and have poor time management. Um and so one of the things we usually encourage and we try to incorporate through some of our services and training techniques is empowering 
or having the leaders empower members of their organization. And whether that's by, you know, beginning to delegate more often, commanding by negation, um, or giving individuals responsibilities uh, that could, you know, they could potentially fail, but it's a controlled environment where if you're going to fail, the leadership team's there to catch you. That's good advice. Um, I remember from my time when I was at Bristol Myers Squibb that my boss would appoint me to lead uh, some really major projects, multi-million dollar projects. And I basically um, had one or two team members underneath me where I had to organize, I had to find um, who we were going to outsource to actually, you know, um, help us collect data. I was doing the, uh, the marketing market research and how we were going to organize the data. I mean, it got pretty complicated. Do you advocate using some kind of project management software or um, how do you see this, you know, communication line running so efficiently? Let's say you have to hire several vendors. Um, you have your main group, your you know, major team or committee within the company, but then uh, you have some people outside your department as well as vendors that are outside, you know, contractors. How do you organize all that? Well, I think it's quite simple, um, or sometimes it might not be as simple. And what we've seen with a lot of our, our previous clients and how we try to approach every team is kind of finding where the communication um, is being disseminated and passed. So something we say in the SEAL teams all the time is pass the word, right? So um, if you know information and it's prevalent to everyone in the team, then it's time to share that. And then I think that kind of creates a foundation that allows, you know, every member of the team to be in the know rather than be in the unknown. And, you know, that's pretty much the foundation of communication that we try to implement, and then it kind of goes from there. Do you feel that email, um, you know, online communication is the best way, or is it better to um, have the team to come together face-to-face? -to -face? You know, what, what sort of tools uh, do you believe work the best in getting the most efficient um, working of the team? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, again, it's it's very situational dependent on a company or organization, right? So if they're a small business or a team that's centrally located where they can meet frequently, um, then we usually suggest you know a five to fifteen minute morning brief that has all the key players uh, within the leadership team and you know, the daily goals, the weekly goals, the updates, all that stuff's coming up. And then, um, and then following that at the conclusion of the day, um, another five to 15 minute, you know, briefing and meeting where, you know, each and every leadership, uh, representative speaks on behalf of their department, where they stand, where they're going and the execution and, and accomplishments of the day. So, and then for our national and international organizations, um, you know, something a lot of the teams implement 
in lieu of a face-to-face briefing is, you know, WebEx, Skype, and you know, similar data and software to that. Yes. And um, basically, I mean, a lot of times internationally, the time difference, you know, like right now, when I'm talking to you, it's, it's late because you're on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast. Uh, but um, you figure it out, you guess you have to, you know, set a time that's going to work, uh, you know, even though they're, they're, they may be based in, uh, in the Orient or, in, you know, somewhere else, you know, where um, it's not going to be in the same time zone. So that all has to be agreed, agreed upon ahead of time that this is going to be a time where it's not going to interfere with their family life. But it's an important enough call that they need to be on that call. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And you know, there's it's all situationally dependent. So if it's an international organization, you know, um, sometimes we suggest, you know, just a weekly rundown, maybe a Monday and Friday meeting. Um, you know, for the specific reasons you just mentioned, where you know, a lot of organizations and companies don't want to interfere with family time, and they want to make a time work for everyone part of the team. So, yes. So, um, you were mentioning, um, you know, situational uh, circumstances. Um, I could think of a few in my head, but what most recently or what are you coming across most frequently in terms of, um, you know, what you encounter when you walk into a company that's hired you and says, you know, our, our team um, is still not in agreement. We're arguing. We're, you know, some people are disagreeing and not performing. You know, what's uh, the uh, on the schedule expected, etc. What sort of things is it? Communication? Is it like somebody dominating with ego? Tell us the top. Can you give me a top five things that um, come up, crop up when you walk into a company and you see, you know, that it's not it's not clicking. I know it depends on the situation, but if, you, if something comes to mind, a recent situation that you've seen. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so a lot of times, you know, it comes down to, I guess it can go as early back as the recruiting process, but when we intercept the team or when we're brought in to help a team, we often find the problem being, and the root of the problem being, that all the team players in the room don't have a common understanding of the why, right? The why and the purpose of the organization. If that's not clearly communicated from the leadership and the team members, then no one knows their purpose within the organization and what they're working towards. Um, so that's one of the big things that we try to establish or you know, encourage the leadership to establish when we come on. Another thing we often see is negative attitudes. So something we say in SEAL teams and a lot of business professionals can understand that negative attitude is contagious and there's just, there's no room for it. Um, you know, in the military, it could, you know, lead to a dangerous situation. And, you know, in the private sector, it just, it breeds negativity amongst the team, which results in, you know, poor performance and poor work ethic. And then eventually, you know, negative attitudes and opposition amongst, you know, all levels of the organization. Is there anything else that you can uh, tell us about some of the other characteristics that you see? Because uh, those, those are actually very good 
I've seen that in the organizations I've been with and also with my own organizations where I've hired people that, like you said, uh, did not understand what the true mission of the company was, even though we had um, we had laid it out in converse, one-on-one conversations as well as the handbook, the company handbook, which clearly states, you know, our mission. And what I've been encouraging also um, is that uh, my clients have their um, mission and their their value system written on paper, and then hang the whatever that is on their walls in their lobby, you know, so customers can see it, as well as inside where the where the employees sit, uh, so that they can see that on a daily basis. Is this is are there things like that that you could recommend also that um, would help to reinforce the why? Because people forget when they're first told, "Here's why we're doing this." Um, but just like you said, to embed that into their daily practice, like why am I doing this, so that they are totally inspired, you know, every day when they work on, you know, come to work and, and work on their projects. Yeah, and, and from my experience. You know, a lot of it comes down to the individual's why and purpose because, yeah, that individual needs to focus on the team goals and on his colleagues and teammates within the organization. But he can't do, he or she can't do either of those things until they identify their individual why. Um, You know, and that comes from, I guess it stems back all the way to the recruiting process of, you know, why do you want this job? Why do you want to be a part of our organization, our team? Do you and your why and purpose align with our team and organizations? So that's one of the big questions I would ask. And uh, I think it's very important for each individual of an organization to really identify within themselves. And then, you know, I think it's just important for the leadership of the company organization to communicate the why and clearly define it like you said with you know tools such as mission statements um weekly or monthly meetings uh and pretty much communicating to the entire team where we are where we want to be where we're going and why and would you advocate uh let's say i've hired somebody like yourself, and their why is in sync with what the overall mission of my why and company is all about. Um, Do you share that why of the individual with the other team members so they can understand also from the viewpoint of that individual? Is Is that shared information or is that kept private between the boss or employer and the individual? Is it, which which way do you go with that? Do you, do you reveal that or do you ask permission to reveal that to the rest of the group? Yeah, I think I think it all comes down to, you know, circumstance. I don't think it's necessary to, you know, some of the things we preach to our clients, customers and teammates isn't, you know, each individual needs to share their why. That's something that's usually brought up during the recruiting process. And then that's, you know, followed up with during evaluations of the employer team member. So as far as sharing it with, you know, teammates, I'm sure that could be incorporated in some 
you know, group exercises or team building. But if the recruitment was on point from the beginning, then everyone's why should be within the same realm. And what I'm hearing, um, when, I, when I interact with millennials and ask them, because I've got a lot of uh, millennials coming to me uh, who are starting companies, they want, they have a bigger vision to have an impact in the world. And I ask them, you know, I immediately ask them, why do you want to do this? What's motivating you? A lot of them have big dreams and you know, where do you where do you set the, the, the boundaries between what's realistic and what's not? I mean, sometimes in the organization, there's certain you know levels that you have to achieve before you, you know, a lot of times I hear from recruiters that millennials want to jump all the way to a director or vice president level, you know, just with a few years of experience because they can have a greater impact, but they don't want to, you know, pay the price of you know, go, coming in from the bottom and working their way up, which is the way I was trained, you know, many years ago when I graduated from school is that you work from the bottom and then, you know, you, you grasp the knowledge, you don't know everything and you work your way up to the top. So what is your thoughts about um, the best way that somebody who has not had a lot of work experience but has good ideals and motivations and has a good why how do they come into a group and um, how do you let them know that they have to start you know, at a lower level and improve themselves first? <laughs> yeah, let me start by saying, you know, to your point about millennials, I agree to an extent. And I think, you know, there is a, a fraction of millennials that do act that way and that, you know, recruiters can come in contact with. A lot of the millennials I'm seeing, um, whether they're service members um, throughout college and university or just entering the workforce, I'm seeing highly motivated individuals. I'm seeing um, individuals that are very technologically savvy and have awesome cyber skills that are, you know, contributing factor to the workforce. I think back to your point regarding the millennials that want to enter that C-suite position. I think they need to clearly define, you know, what's realistic. And that comes and starts with identifying, you know, that individual's micro goals and macro goals, and then creating a plan of execution on, on how to get there. So, you know, as you know, you, you enter the workforce from what you, from what you said earlier, you know, entry level position, learn the ranks and then rose to a C-suite executive, et cetera. And that's historically been um, been the pathway, and you know it still is today. So a micro goal would be: I want to get into this organization or company, even if it's a you know entry level job, low paying job, and I'm just going to prove my worth. And so, what really ties into that is you know some of the characteristics we talked about earlier: integrity, resilience, and you know most importantly, humility. I agree with you. At that, I'm, I just want to take a, a moment to, to go to a commercial break, but we'll be right back and we're going to continue the conversation with Yaakov. So stay tuned and we will return in a few minutes.
My business has lost its upward momentum. I'm working up to 14 hours a day, but my sales seem to have plateaued. I'm so overwhelmed. I used to have that same problem, but ever since I found the Balanced Millionaire Consulting Firm, our sales and profits have risen sharply. Even our staff is more engaged, and the atmosphere is full of energy. I have no time to work on my business to develop new sales and marketing strategies. I would love to expand, have strategic partnerships, and access to financing. You can do all of that and more. The Balanced Millionaire Consulting Team advises you on streamlining your operations, establishing alliances, and most importantly, increasing your revenues and profits. Let us help you build value and reduce stress in your business. Take charge. Don't let your business control your life. Visit TheBalancedMillionaire.com or call 442-224-0160 for a free consultation. That's 442-224-0160 or TheBalancedMillionaire.com. I am Eileen Mendel, founder and CEO of The Balanced Millionaire. Who are we and what is our mission? We are a strategic business advisory firm dedicated to advancing leadership and business growth. Listen to what our clients have to say about us. I was blessed to meet Eileen. She has done numerous things for my business, from giving me professional advice to introducing me to new connections and going as far as finding me new team members. I cannot say enough about her and her business for the help they have given to my company. I've been working with the Balanced Millionaires team. They've helped me in setting up a concrete plan to get my business to the next level. Eileen is a cheering, inspiring and benevolent advisor. Knowing that she's gone through the same challenges gives me the confidence that I'm on the right track. If you are a growing seven or eight figure business that is ready to reach new heights, contact us at info at thebalancedmillionaire.com. That's info at thebalancedmillionaire.com. Hello, everyone. We're back with our show. This is the second half of The Balanced Millionaire. I'm Eileen Mendel, and I have my guest with me, Yakov Worksman, a former Navy SEAL and a coach um, and trainer in leadership and teamwork. And Yakov, we left off on some of the things that you uh, train companies to do to work in leading, leading teams and getting the team to communicate effectively and cohesively. And I understand that you're going to go back to school yourself uh, to get uh, some uh, higher degrees, a master's degree in business and uh, leadership development at Harvard. What do you think is going to happen? What are your expectations for your further education to bring to the table along with what the skills and uh, knowledge you already have? So I'm a true believer in continuing education and, you know, an eagerness to always learn more whether that's through experience or, you know, the historical education classroom environment. Um, you know, I like to think I have, I carry the quality of humility, you know, because I preach it so much and I, I try to implement it within organizations. And so I have to hold myself accountable. And with that being said, I know my weeks and my weaknesses and strengths to this day, and I'm still developing both of them, you know, I'm 
trying to capitalize on my strengths and, you know, fine tune them. And when it comes to my weaknesses, you know, I'm trying to be better um, and find ways to improve as an individual and a professional. So, you know, one thing I hope to gain through, you know, the classroom environment of education would be developing more skills that I don't already have and then being able to go into organizations like I've been doing so far and apply those skills to them and then also learn, you know, every, every uh, problem or client we're ever met with has, you know, a different situation and, you know, each experience that I've been a part of has been just that an experience. So it's helped me so far and I hope to continue learning through, you know, my professional experiences working with organizations and teams and then also in the classroom. And I noticed that you mentioned that you work with uh, nonprofits. I know you're involved with the foundation. You said athletic teams. Um, some of them, of course, can could be profit making uh, as our professional football or baseball teams, et cetera, or soccer teams. Um, so what do you prefer? Do you prefer working with nonprofits over profit making um, organizations? And uh, or what's your take on on on, on those? Yeah, you because know, there's differences there between you know an organization that is um, not operating you know to make you know and to please investors and make you know money and whatever versus a non a nonprofit you know the nonprofit versus the profit sector. Can you tell me what you know what you're seeing and and which which one do you prefer or do you prefer one over the other? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously to me, the the most fulfilling, um, the most fulfilling industry would be the nonprofit side of things, right? right. And then, uh, so Victory Strategies, that's a for-profit company. We never, you know, receive any compensation or credibility unless we help that client or organization achieve success. Um, when it comes to the nonprofit side of things, I've always had a passion for for giving back all the way since, you know, my high school years and then all the way up through my career in the military and present day. So what I've been doing since uh, I moved and relocated to Central Florida has been I've taken the co-director position along with Dave Phillips, my partner, and we're trying to help transitioning SEALs. Um, go from, you know, a very fast-paced, stress-inducing environment in the SEAL teams to the private sector. And we're trying to help them in a variety of ways, whether that's providing a network and a brotherhood here in the civilian world, um, helping them connect with, you know, professionals in the civilian side that can help them achieve their aspirations and goals that they have as a civilian. And so, you know, I'd say, I'd say it's a happy balance, and I think that's one of the things we also, as a team, as Victory Strategies team, we try to implement with a lot of our executives and the leaders that we work with um, throughout organizations is life's all about a balance, you know, whether it comes to your mental wellness, your physical uh, wellness, your professional wellness, and, you know, your giving. I think that's great. I, I, I love uh, when I can help. Others, I, I talk to uh, uh, individuals myself that are uh, undergraduates as well as um, 
recent graduates to encourage them and inspire them. And I think um, doing that volunteer work, like you said, is soul satisfying. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't pay the bills, but it's soul satisfying. Uh, how do you feel because you've come out of, you know, a, a, a government organization, the, the Navy SEALs, like you said, and you're working with foundation and now, you know, over the last two years, you've been working with Dave in the commercial sector. Um, and I know a lot of people get, you know, excited about, you know, uh, people get excited when they get a high paying job, let's put it that way. Uh, but does the money excite you or does it just, the, the, you know, the, or is it a combination of getting paid for what your value is as well as doing something that's impactful and significant? What, what motivates you on the commercial side? I think it all starts with, you know, my, my individual purpose and why. And what that is, is, you know, upon my transition from the military, I was receiving, you know, through through networking events I did on my own um, and through organizations, I received some pretty, pretty generous uh, job offers, compensation packages, et cetera. And what it all came down to was my purpose of why. And for me, I wanted to help organizations and power leaders and, you know, make an impact within my local community, my state community, and essentially my federal community. So that was kind of my inspiration to pursue a career with Victory Strategies. And like every other startup, you know, we've we've had pros and cons, and it hasn't been all, um, it hasn't been a, you know, completely smooth ride, but we're happy with we, where we are, and we're happy with where we're going. And, you know, Dave and I and the Victory Strategies team, we all have a very aligned purpose. So tell me, how do, how are you actually structuring now that you are in a commercial organization? And I know Dave is the CEO. You said that uh, are you actually a 50-50 partner with him uh, on the co- in the company, or how does that work? How are you structuring your firm so that um, you're the model, so to speak, for other service businesses? Yeah. So. Um, to your point, I'm actually the CEO of the company, and then Dave is the president of the company. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. It is a 50-50 um, kind of kind of setup that we have, but you know, when it comes down to titles and percentages, I mean, it's really it's really a team oriented and structured company. So everyone from you know. The team members that work with us on, you know, cybersecurity and risk management to some of the team members that we utilize when we deal with larger athletic teams. And then even some of the team members that we utilize when we're working one on one with an organization or an organization that has various branches and departments throughout the country. So, you know, Dave and I, when we first came together and, and wanted to start passing out labels and structuring the team. We didn't find it important to, you know, label myself the CEO or label him the president or someone else with, you know, a fancy slogan under their name or on their business card, because at the end of the day, our purpose is team. And, you know, we preach that to everyone we work with or encounter. And we actually, you know, walk in those shoes every day um, just with how we 
handle ourselves amongst each other when it comes to, you know, clients, compensation, and, uh, you know, work being divided amongst the team. And do you, have you structured yourself so that there's some kind of, um, let's say, stock options or incentives to grow, um, you know, so that you can you can be incentivized to grow the team, grow the business. Is is that um, part of part of your organization or or uh, some kind of incentive reward system? Yeah, I mean the incentive is finding like-minded individuals and creating a team where you know Navy SEALs can transition, special operations members can transition from the military, and C-suite executives can transition from their current roles within an organization and come to victory strategies where we all have a common purpose and why, and then, you know, execute any mission or task and become, you know, essentially some of the most elite problem solvers for organizations and and companies throughout the country. And can I ask you, uh, do you still have affiliations uh, with the Navy directly so that you can um, you know, still inter- you still interact with government organizations, is that right? Or, or just exclusively, are you exclusively in the civilian sector right now? As far as me as an individual, um, I've completely separated from the military. So to answer your question, we do do uh, some, several of our clients and customers and people we interact with has been nonprofits, uh, public sector organizations, including the military and some of the other federal and state organizations. And then also, you know, our, the bulk of our clients to date have been private sector individuals. So how does the word spread? Um, are you actively then uh, giving the workshops? Uh, I, know you, I know you do a lot of traveling from one of the conversations I had with Dave that you're traveling both nationally and internationally. Is that to uh, generate more business for Victory Strategies or is that part of your projects also to go abroad or, or is it part and parcel? Does, you know, some of it's the projects and some of it requires you to um, to be traveling internationally. I mean, some of it, and some of it is to sell you know, your services. Yeah, um, the majority of our traveling has been for projects and organizations we've been working with. Um, although when we are there or we travel outside the state or the country, we do try to, you know, double tap as much as we can with the marketing side of things. So a little bit of both. So it sounds like you're, you're working in some capacity with multinational organizations. Is that right? That's correct. So you need to, to know or understand trade law and some of the other politics or you know laws that go, that uh, guide commercial operation between countries and also the language barriers and all the other things. Is, has that been a challenge uh, for you as far as, I know you've done a lot of things abroad with the Navy, but is that a challenge um, now in the business world to get to know what those laws are and make sure you know, you're... Um, you know, working underneath, you know, whatever uh, trade agreements or whatever there is as far as tariffs and, uh, you know, import exports and 
all that other things that you have to know about international business. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, a requirement to an extent. I don't think, you know, up until this date, a lot of our uh, projects outside of the country have been, you know, more geared towards the leadership development and training side of things, executive coaching, training workshops, um, you know, creating a wellness program within the organization. And then, you know, most importantly, a lot of one of the biggest things we've seen traction with lately has been our cybersecurity and risk management services. So when it comes to a lot of those things, um, no, you know, I guess yes and no. So we usually have advisors and strategic teammates that we work directly with that are expertise in a lot of those matters. Okay, so that that would make sense that uh, you don't have to know everything about international trade and um, also the laws and, and uh, how that works. But uh, have you had prob any problems as far as language barriers? I know if, when you travel to different countries, different there's different meanings or connotations when you're talking about something at a high level like leadership. Um, so has that been a challenge trying to get the the linguistics part of that? So let's say you're working with a team in China or Japan um, and they, you know, because I've heard this before where there's some terminologies that we use freely in the United States that mean something different abroad. Has that um, come in your way as far as um, when you're doing workshops or, um, you know, working with other countries? Thankfully, up to date. Uh, we've done our due diligence and our homework, and therefore we've been ready for, you know, any possible hardships we might face when dealing with a different uh, international organization, you know, when it comes to their customs, culture, and uh, just their leadership styles. So, no, not, not up to this date have we had any problems with that. So it sounds like... Uh because of uh, Dave and your team, you basically you know, prepare yourselves way ahead of time for any possibilities of miscommunication or faux pas or, you know, I know some uh, cultures um, where you have to do certain things, you know, you shake hands or hug each other and some cultures, some cultures, is you just, uh, you know, bow. Or, you know, so you have to learn all those customs and cultural differences before you head out to the project. Um, so um, can you tell me as far as what um, you have learned so far from Victory Strategies that you can tell our listeners about that they need to know um, and uh, something that they can work on themselves? Uh, I know that you said uh, recruiting is a big issue uh, who you're going to be recruiting on board in the very, very beginning. Uh, what other things uh, can they do now, now that they've already recruited some people? And uh, what can they implement inside their company to, um, and I know you said um, communication lines, et cetera. Can you uh, give me a list perhaps of some of the other things that they should be working on or aware of? And of course, you know, when, um, we're talking about that. Um, you could also at the end of if you're telling me this, how they can get in touch with you. So they, because they may need help implement in the implementation. But what are some other uh, tools that 
that you feel that all businesses should have um, or skills so that, you know, everything is working efficiently in their organization and they should be aware of that they may not be aware of currently. Absolutely. So, you know, back to something we've mentioned several times throughout the, the podcast, um, make sure the why is clearly defined from the individual to the organization and everyone in between. Um, be a strong communicator as a leader. So when we talk about the why and the purpose of the company, you know, communicate the company's micro goals and macro goals rather than assume that everyone knows it and everyone's tracking um, with the progress and problems that have been, you know, faced this far. Another thing would be, you know, something we always, something we utilized a lot in the SEAL teams was peer evaluations. So that's, you know, my colleagues and my teammates ranking me on my character, my work ethic, whether I'm there for the right reasons, uh, pros and cons. And then we're ranked on a numerical number, right? So out of a 20 yes. platoon, that could be one, two, you know, if you're, if you're number 20, obviously there's some, some humble pie that needs to be consumed and then some you know, character building and reflection that needs to be taken. So do I suggest companies implement peer evaluations? No, I don't, because I don't think they're that healthy. But I think having a clear communication within the organization of, you know, maybe asking the rhetorical question to your company team members, if we were to do a peer evaluation tomorrow, where do you believe you would rank? And then let them reflect on that because, you know, and I think that's a healthy self-check. You know, it allows each and every team member and um, colleague within the organization to, you know, kind of reflect on the timelines they've hit, the proposals and deadlines they've met, et cetera, et cetera. And then another thing I see and, and Dave and I see and the Victory Strategies team sees a lot is the failure to implement contingency plans. You know, a lot of organizations aren't ready for a quote unquote crisis or, you know, risk that might come across their desk. So if you're a business leader listening tonight, I would encourage you to, you know, look at the structure of your organization and ask, do I have, you know, for the most important parts of this organization, do I have a, a primary, a secondary, a tertiary, and then a flexible plan to implement if something negative happens. You know, a, a negative example would be, you know, my key team leader doesn't show up for work the next day or, you know, has a catastrophic you know, incident happen or something. Let's just take them out of the equation. Can this company still run effectively? And can the project that team leader was spearheading still be completed um, within the deadline? If the answer is no, then as a leader, I would start identifying some of those contingency plans and implementing them or having an, after, or having an action plan uh, that can be picked up and executed by anyone in the team. Something we say in the SEAL teams all the time is everyone everyone's job to an extent. So, and that, you know, the main purpose of that is for those specific reasons. Can you, can you can you repeat that phrase one more time? Would you say in the, uh, in the sales team? 
Yeah, I said a lot of the thing, you know, something we we harp on in the SEAL teams all the time is everyone needs to know every man's job, right? Okay. Because all it takes, at least to some extent or degree, because all it takes is one of those per- people taken out of the equation, and then if no one else can fulfill that job, well, then the team's facing you know ultimate failure. So, to anyone listening that wants to implement any of these things we're talking about, um, or you know, sees a need for leadership development and training, business solutions, strategic planning. Uh, you know, we do keynote events, wellness programs. We also offer uh, CPE to CPA uh, firms, and you know, we do work with athletic teams, and then we we do a lot of cyber security and risk management. You can visit us anytime and contact us through our website at www.victory-strategies.com. And uh, again, my name is Jakob Berksman. Please, please reach out. We're excited to help you and your organization. So Jakob, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And uh, I would say that uh, you brought up some really excellent points that I totally agree with uh it um actually is you know everything you mentioned is extremely important to be aware of when you're building your company when you're hiring when you're leading a team to do regular checkups like peer-to-peer reviews i just i love all that information i hope uh, our listeners uh feel free to email me with your comments i hope that you've gained a lot from this conversation so, Jakob, is there any parting words that you'd like to say before we end our show? Yeah, uh, thank you for having me, Eileen. I, I appreciate it tonight. I think uh, hopefully our listeners got some some quality information out of it. And to any listeners listening right now, uh, always be humble, always identify your why, and always forward. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for being on our show tonight. And I just want to remind everybody that we're on live at 6 p.m. every other Wednesday. So stay tuned for our future episodes. And please feel free to contact me at info at thebalancedmillionaire.com with any comments or suggestions for future shows. Thank you and have a nice evening. This is Eileen Mendel, your host of The Balanced Millionaire. Thank you for tuning into The Balanced Millionaire with your host, Eileen Mendel, CEO of InnerEdge International, business consultant, multimedia marketing expert, renowned speaker and author. Connect with Eileen Mendel, The Balanced Millionaire. Increase your confidence, creativity, balance, awareness, direction, motivation, and catapult your business to the next level and beyond.